Welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This is a podcast where we explore how the best B2B sales leaders make the complex simple, drive relationships and revenue, and generally elevate the sales profession. In this podcast, we're bringing together sales experts, thought leaders, top account executives, buyers, industry insiders, all to share their experiences and best practices for navigating the complex sales cycle. So whether you're a seasoned sales professional, a sales leader, or just starting out, you're going to find practical insights and actionable advice that you can apply to your own sales journey. Plus, we have a bit of fun. Today on the show, we have Dr. Barbara Weaver-Smith. Barbara is founder and CEO of The Whale Hunters. She's co-author of Whale Hunting, which is how to land big sales and transform your company, and author of Whale Hunting with Global Accounts. Barbara has a passion for teaching small and mid-sized companies to greatly increase revenues and margins through complete business development strategy for bigger deals with bigger customers. Barbara is fascinating. She's in her third career. She was a professor and college dean and then president of a statewide nonprofit agency before taking the entrepreneurial plunge in 1998. She absolutely loves working with small and mid-sized companies to build seamless processes that guarantee their continued growth, revenue, and profits. Welcome to the show, Barbara, and let's get started. Barbara, it's wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be with you today. Well, uh, it's I've been been able to talk to people across the world of sales, which has been really fascinating. But I've been lo- yeah. looking forward to this conversation in a big way because I'm not sure if you know this or not, but Whale Hunters was one of the uh, initial methodologies I was exposed to. Well, I guess I didn't know that. I'm really glad to hear it. Good for you. Yeah, and and it it helped shape my way around uh, um, enterprise sales. And one of the things I want to start with with you is where we start most of the shows is let's let's set a baseline and define sales. What is sales to you, Barbara? I think at, at its most fundamental level, sales is an exchange of resources between people, organizations. Uh, enterprise sales are between organizations and uh, they have to find each other. <laughs> Everybody has to find what they're looking for. And people with something to sell have to find who's going to buy it. But the process is really determining value on each side. And in a process that concludes... On each side, sale, not just one? Yeah, I think each side has to find value. The sell, The seller has to find that the recompense is significant enough for them and the buyer needs to determine that the value of what they get in return is is relatively equal and so i mean it's kind of selling a sale is the fundamental feature of a market instead of individuals just trading you know one person has something that the other one wants in a in a bigger world you don't necessarily find the person right next to you or in your village that has what you want or need. And so money is the mechanism of the exchange, but it represents that value of what's being sold and what's being received. In my so the view. process, yeah, the process, exchange of resources of, of like any or equal value. Mm-hmm. So that te- seems to me that in, in, in sales, we're searching for, I mean, Covey termed win-win, right? He started that term. Absolutely. But it's searching, yeah, words, yeah. searching for legitimate exchange of value. Uh, exactly. with a win if it doesn't feel like a win on each side, then something's gone wrong with it, I believe. 
Well, how did you get into sales? Very circuitous path. I think a lot of people have taken odd paths into sales, but I was an English professor and I became a dean of a college within the university. And the university was embarking on its very first capital campaign. And all the deans had to attend uh, fundraisers, which we didn't like. We didn't think of ourselves as fundraisers at all. But I kind of really got into it. And I enjoyed uh, meeting people, talking about my program and giving them opportunities to use their resources in exchange for something they wanted to accomplish. Then I moved on to um, serving as the president of a statewide not-for-profit organization where I was seriously engaged in raising money. And it was the same thing. People that had money wanted to see various kinds of good deeds accomplished. That's what the nonprofit world is about. But they can't do it just with money. Money is the mechanism to find the people who can do it on their behalf. So um, when I left that job, I um, started my own company. And uh, what I had loved about that job, other than in addition to the fundraising, was we did very big, messy projects. We worked with a lot of different organizations. There was a lot of money uh, exchanging hands between organizations, and we had a lot of uh, philanthropy in the state of Indiana that was really helpful to making those things happen. So I liked the deal-making, and I liked the fundraising. So when I left that job, I started my own company, and I was working in the community environment for quite a while, and then began doing the same services for uh, corporations. And so the whale hunting metaphor really was the idea of of my first business partner. We built it out together. We were both working with organizations that were doing big deals, either not-for-profit or for-profit companies. And we put those ideas together and built out the whale hunting process, which is very loosely derived from the way the Inuit whale hunters couple of centuries ago, hunted whales on the far northwest coast of Alaska and come to find out they had wonderful ideas that are very relevant for modern business. So that's where the name comes from. And that's where the the names of the components of the process come from, uh, the ancient whale hunters. And it's a a metaphor, an analogy that I've used for years now to um, help salespeople and teams understand how to go about the very complex sale in with an enterprise organization. Well, that's uh, and I, I mentioned that it's one of the first methodologies that I was uh, in books that I really dove into. I was with a firm, and actually, the whale hunting uh, actually kind of brought me into that. I was with a, uh-huh. a venture capitalist firm, venture capital backed firm in software uh-huh. around. Uh, 2003 to 2005. I see. And then uh, I, the book they gave was a book called Hope is Not a Strategy. Uh-huh. And they had, they had shark charts in their methodology. Uh-huh. And then I saw yours come out around 2008. And that was exactly. when I was in the midst of uh, doing a sales as a sales as a service startup. And uh-huh. we were looking at um, multiple methodologies to, we had multiple ranges of 
of uh, uh, employees in that, everybody from you know SDRs to full contact to closure. I was looking for ways to try and distill the enterprise sale. And it just, sure. at that time, like people were saying, I'll go after the whales. You know, we got to go after, we got to go after the big whale. We got to go after, yeah. uh, we want right. an enterprise deal, that type of stuff. I literally, when I saw it first, I thought that's where it came from. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that's where the, the title came from. So how did you, so you developed for it through that. How is it, uh, there's kind of been this, this, uh, it's not a resurgence of a need. It's always been there, but right. tell me a little bit about the journey of the, the enterprise sale, uh, sure. in, in whale hunters language. Well, to talk a little bit about our clients, we have primarily worked with, um, privately held companies that were on a fast growth path. And many of our clients come to us when they've reached a plateau in their growth. They have been growing fast, but they can't take that next step, you know, to just quote a phrase, take it to the next level. And they find Mm -hmm. that the, the customers they have are no longer the customers they need. They've outgrown their customers in some ways. And as they start to go after bigger customers, they run into all kinds of problems. They run into bigger competitors. They run into systems and processes and expectations that they haven't had before. And so they're looking for a way to what they usually ask for is we need a process to get larger accounts consistently. Uh, To put it in a market context, our business really thrives when there's a lot of market uncertainty, we've done very well during times of recession because those are opportunities very often for privately held companies. While the big companies are scaling back, you know, laying off, scaling back, kind of hunkering down until things get better, smaller, more innovative uh, companies are looking to fill the void, looking for where the opportunities are. And uh, we're getting a tremendous amount of interest right now, actually from all over the world, which is amazing. And uh, we still get our business primarily through that first book, that 2008 book. (laughs) People read that and come to the website, which is wonderful. So anytime that companies reach a plateau, uh, they have new services and products that their current audience really can't afford or can't use or doesn't want. But they know there's an audience out there of bigger companies that can really use it, but they need a systematic way to go about it, not only to make the sale, but to be sure that they can serve that client properly. Um, It's possible to get a killer whale. You know, you bit off more than you can chew and you're not ready. We have one of the articles that I wrote years ago is about barnacles. and, And I always write. Inside that metaphor and barnacles, you know, are the things that glom onto the underside of your boat and slow it down. So sometimes we'll go into a company and there's a lot of people kind of pushing whales off the beach because they uh, have enough work to do. They don't really want any more. And there are barnacles that like the way it's always been done and they're not very interested in change. And whale hunting is a major change initiative when people undertake it. So um, they have to uh, really have a a culture change is occurring when we go in and do that work. 
tell me uh, why, why is that such a cultural change? So, I mean, that in a nutshell, we're going at it, are you helping companies change their change their focus from you know smaller deal sizes to to enterprise level or why is this such a big change in focus for people? Well, I'll tell you several ways. First, they are some of them at least are changing their focus. The leadership have decided that they're going to devote a certain amount of resources, probably not all of them, but a considerable amount, to systematically going after larger accounts. In a larger account, my belief has always been you need a team sale. You can't just send one hunter into Mm -hmm. an organization that has six to 10 to 12 to 14 influencers, people who are going to weigh in on whether that sale happens. So salespeople who are accustomed to working alone are very nervous about having non-salespeople participate in facing the client. And the non-salespeople are very nervous about being asked to do it. So just to begin with, it's a process doing things that they haven't done before. Second thing is that the salesperson, usually organizations are, or their their sales team is put together so that the salesperson has a lot of autonomy about what deals they hunt and how long it takes them to close. And I mean, they definitely have metrics that they need to meet. But they have a lot of autonomy as far as where they're spending their time, which clients. Whale hunting says that there is a list of target companies that we want as a company, and the leadership is going to decide when we go after them and who's going to be in charge of that sale and who's going to be, quote unquote, on the boat for that sale, which is a group of people who are going to be together under the orchestration of the salesperson to make this deal happen. So there's a lot of power shifting. There's a lot of influence shifting inside the company and discomfort. Now, we use some of that to our advantage because when they go in to sell something to a big company, very often they are creating those same kind of anxieties and fears in the big company, especially if they're small. They're going into a big company. People are afraid of making a mistake. They're afraid of more work. They're afraid of change. If you're a change agent, you love change. But if you're a changee, you don't love it so much. So we don't ever sell. This is change management. You know, we don't sell that it's culture change. But that's an outcome as as people um, buy into it and begin to behave in some different ways in the work, it does change the culture. And it requires very strong, committed leadership to make it happen well. It's a risk, right? It's a, there's, sure. um, it seems like, and, and I get with every risk and there's a substantial reward, like, but when mm-hmm. we're going in and we're making a choice that, okay, we have a list of a hundred or a list of 50 or like it seems like organizing our organization around it, right? It seems like it would even change yes. the role mm-hmm. of it would change the role of marketing. It would change the role Certainly. of um, yeah. so how are you finding that impact on sales organizations uh, overall? Is it uh, I mean, you've been doing this for this 2008 with this metaphor. Right. Like, what are some of the stories that you can you can share relative to how it changes that culture, how it changes the the outcomes? It's very interesting and very much fun. I think, first of all, 
I'm very committed to the kind of company that I choose to work with. I like to work with founders. I like to work with family organizations. I like the the uh, privately held companies because the people who lead them typically care a lot about what happens. I've worked with a lot of CEOs who are very strategy-driven. They spend a lot of time planning for their next step. They're not so much risk-averse, but they very much want to be deliberate about how they're growing their company. And so um, people like that take to this really well. They like it. They kind of fend off any disagreement uh, that comes along. They stick to it, you know, long enough to get some results. And uh, the other thing about the metaphor that I never dreamed of, but it has been so wonderful, we use a lot of language of the Inuit people. And so we call the salespeople the harpooners, and we have scouts, and we have the subject matter experts, our oars people, you know, they're paddling the boat. And our belief is that it takes a village to land a whale, that everybody has an important role. So there's a lot of excitement about that when they start to buy into the language, which they do very fast, because we work with cross-functional groups in large settings where they're doing a lot of work together. And um, as soon as they start picking up on the language, then we know we're going to make some progress. And for the most part, in companies that have taken this on, it's made a huge impact on um, their revenue growth and a huge impact on, uh, it's another step of their culture, the people who deliver the services, who are not so much involved in the sales part, there's a lot that they need to learn and do to actually serve much bigger enterprise companies. So they learn a lot in that process. They get stronger, they get better. They have a lot of new ideas, things that they just didn't expect were going to happen as an offshoot of this whale hunting thing. And so um, some companies have done a whole lot with the metaphor. They've turned their break room into whale hunting center. They have um, blow up whales or they have um, one company had their harpooner wore a beautiful costume, you know, and uh, lots of them have put the whale hunters process on a wall and tracking where the whales are. They want everybody to know who we're interested in because someone in the company is going to have a brother or an uncle or a cousin that knows somebody that knows somebody, and uh, you can get an introduction. So it's an exciting process. There's a role for everybody, and I think that's very positive for a culture if you have the right kind of leadership. Well, I believe it's your you use the metaphor of like scouting. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scouting and then hunting and then harvesting. Right. Right. Exactly. So at the front, it seems like scouting you're given and this is, you know, you're forcing the choice on where's your focus. Right. And because you're by doing that, you're forcing people to get stronger on their focus. 
Right. So that would be, is that, and that's marketing, that's the front end sales, that's account management, that's uh, yes, the language you're creating. Gets, everybody gets involved in that and they create what we call a target filter, which is a set of criteria that define an ideal client. And, okay. and then the scouts go into uh, the marketplace through databases and they find companies that meet those criteria. So it's flipping marketing, um, you know, on its head. But mm -hmm. then marketing is charged with making their company known to those customers. You know, it's not such a broad um, activity into the whole market, but focusing on customers that ought to be perfect for you. And so also it's watching to see when the time is right to go yeah. after so it's ABM. You you made popular account based yes. marketing before account based marketing. Yeah, was a a, a term. Um, yeah, we call it account based sales and marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're doing. No question about that. Marketing and sales have to be like this, yeah. and we go into a lot of companies where they're like this, and so it's a process that changes that a lot. <sighs> I could see how that absolutely bridges, especially when you have a strong CEO that you're working with, that it would force the yeah. force you to bridge that divide. Yeah. Because it becomes the, one the nice thing. Yeah. The nice thing about having a very clear process with things that people are asked to do, kind of step-by-step -step things, is that you don't have to change anybody's mind to start out. Mm -hmm. We start out by changing behavior. And as people change their behavior, they learn the values that are built into this kind of approach. And most of the people grow into it. You'll have a person here and there that just takes themselves out. But for the most part, uh, it's, it's a very positive experience. It gives everyone more authority. Their opinion is valued. They've been asked to contribute to this plan. So if we go into a company with 60 employees, we're going to train 60 people together in a group for two or three days. So there's a lot of culture or growth just in that initial time period. So who is a, who's a prime? I know you said what you like working with is family owned uh, businesses and that type of mm -hmm. stuff, but who do you, who do you feel the the methodology is really applicable to? Is it is it to everybody? Is it to people that just uh, are looking at just have enterprise large sales, or who do you feel the methodology works for? We we look for companies that are solid companies. They're they're not failing. They're they've been doing well, and uh, we look for companies with uh, good leadership. So, you know, from a standpoint of revenue, they need to pretty much have $25 million in annual revenue when they're ready to start this seriously. And we work with companies, I would say, basically up to $1 billion. We have worked with some public companies, but so much harder for them because they're so, such silos and... You know, they have an enormous sales operation, let alone getting that together with the operations people. So just from a, a scale standpoint, mostly we're working with mid-sized companies, you know, large, small companies and mid-sized companies, not mom and pop companies. I'm a two million, say I'm a $2 million 
SaaS company and I want to sell to the enterprise? What differentiates mm-hmm. that from the twenty-five million dollar that you say that you're a that that you're a fit for? Right. Right. What is the level of maturity that they need to right. get to to truly embrace this? If if the product that you have, if you're a startup company and the product that you have is ready for an enterprise market and that's your only market, then you can start whale hunting right from mm-hmm. the beginning. And we have um, we have tools and materials that will help people do that. But in order to really um, that kind of company would probably need whale hunting again when they're larger, because the way they learn to work together when they're that small, they're going to add so many people by the time they get to, you know, 15 or 20 million, 25 million is just, it's a, it's kind of a change point. I mean, that's an exaggeration, of course, but at some point in their growth, several points in their growth, companies come to where they need a real transformation to get larger. And it has always seemed to me that we've been very successful with companies in that range of growth. And the, the leadership has still a lot of influence. Uh, leaderships in, leadership in big corporations, you're not going to get your senior leaders involved in that kind of, in, in a whale hunting operation. It's not likely. It's too complicated for them. They don't have enough authority across the disciplines. They don't have mechanisms for people to work together. Like in a in the companies that we work with, when they decide they're going after a whale, and if the salesperson needs help from several people in different departments, like a big company is going to have a whole pre-sales engineering operation devoted to working with the sales team when they're needed. But a small company is somebody that has another job (laughs) that's going to be part of the sale. So you have to have these interdepartmental agreements and willingness to do it as a team. Otherwise, you can't get the support you need when you need it. So it just works well in a mid-sized company. No, I think it, it it makes a ton of sense to me, right? It's where it's you're past that point where the founder or just that the two or three top performers can really drive a business. And to your point, you really exactly. need to start systemizing, systemizing enterprise, full-on right. enterprise mm-hmm. sale. Yeah. Um, and so that, so that makes perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect sense to me. Yeah. But I think just to help the audience really get where you sure. sit and, and all that, I think... I wanted to keep diving on it. So, yeah, we um, we have worked with several uh, multi generational companies. Actually, I uh, have several right now that I'm talking to that I'm working with the third generation or the second and third generation together. Dads and sons and daughters and cousins, you know, that have been in their business for a long time, but their business has transformed multiple times before they got to what they're doing now, but they have a passion for growth and excellence and they have a real commitment to strategy. So they're the kind of people that do strategic plans every year who really work hard to be deliberate about what they're doing. It's very hard to do that. Oh, I, uh, especially in, in businesses of that they've been around for a couple of generations. Yeah, exactly. Right? Really forcing that change and driving that change is, it sounds like you're a, a great mechanism to help with that. 
We we uh, love it, yeah, because those are those are people who have a lot at stake. And so when they make a decision to work with you, they're they are all in, <laughs> absolutely all in. And they they've decided they're going to trust me or one of my team to come in and lead them on this journey. And they are absolutely not going to let anything get in the way. So it's a lot of fun. It just then it works like a dream, just the way it's supposed to. And just as a segue, that's where membrane comes in, because membrane is the perfect CRM for whale hunters. Everything that we need for our process to be immersed, integrated into the company, membrane offers to us. This can't when they when they do all this work and design their process and give them lots of tools that are generic and we help them translate it into their own map. When they have it, they have to have a place for it to be alive. It can't be on a spreadsheet. You know, it can't just be in a report on a shelf. So the CRM is the ideal mechanism for a whale hunting process to live. But in not all diseases, not all CRMs are equal. <laughs> so the whale hunting process has all kinds of tools and um templates that are used throughout the process and the process itself and the and the points at which you know you're moving from one step to another step or one phase to another phase there are always concrete things data points or materials or things that have to have been accomplished and so those are built into the membrane system or CRM and and that's how leadership manages the people through the process well, that takes me to a different uh, and thank you by the way because uh i didn't we didn't ask you to say it but i truly appreciated that you uh, appreciative that you did we love we sure. love working with you as well and i think it you're right it's it's a it's a great fit one of the things you said there is really impactful a lot of things that you said they're really impactful but really fascinating is is that we being able to measure the deal and being able to mm -hmm. measure the pipeline by the actual events that have occurred rather exactly. than the gut feeling of a salesperson, mm -hmm. that is a part of whale hunting. If I, Absolutely. If I, a huge part of it. And probably the most important and also very obvious feature of a whale hunting process is that it has to have a point at which the organization decides we're going to hunt this whale now or we're going to wait. You have to get to a point where the, 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 the scouts and the harpooners have learned enough that they say, we want to hunt this whale and this is why. So it's not the harpooner's decision, I'm going to hunt this whale until I catch it. It's senior management decision. We want to see what you have. And if we agree that you have a very high probability of closing this will provide the resource for this to happen. But it may also mean that somebody else doesn't go get to go after some other whale right then, because how many whales can you bring on at the same time as you're growing into this? Because it's a very organic way to grow your business. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to take one whale at a time or, you know, maybe two or three, and depending on the size of, of your company, what can you manage? You have to have a lot of 
things go into making that decision. And that's another thing that's a big culture shift for sales to be, you know, they're kind of taking more direction than they're used to. They have more responsibility, but they're taking more direction from above, you know, maybe more than they're accustomed to. Uh, they also get the opportunity for huge rewards from them. Well, I, I love it because it forces, I mean, you say, like you say, I, and you, it's not for everyone. This is for a specific mm-hmm. type of company, a specific type of uh, organization that's committed that they, right. you know, they're looking for, they want to grow through deliberate mm-hmm. strategy. They are at, you know, 25 million. They have a, a focused, uh, focused drive at getting better mm-hmm. and improving. And they, I love the fact what, what this does is it forces choice. Right. right, so it forces decision, and once I'm a big believer mm-hmm. that decisions need to be made and need to be right. need to be once they are made, you can become excellent at something, right? Yeah. Or you can really yeah. drive focus into that. But if you waffle on a fence for a while, it leaves a lot of people sitting on either mm-hmm. end of the fence. Yeah. It's a not a whale hunting methodology or exactly. uh, analogy, but well, uh, as as companies grow. Of course, they build out processes. Even when you're a young company, you learn you learn ways to do things. And the group of people knows how to do almost anything. And they believe that they can do whatever they need to do. But it's very seldom that they've written it down so anybody else could do it if they weren't there, you know. And so as, as you grow, you build out more systems and processes. If you're making something, if you're a manufacturer, you've built an assembly line or some very serious process to get your product built, but you haven't paid attention to your sales in the same way at all. You know, sales is one of the last things that people really think about systematizing. Sales is more magic. Every group of people over here, they do it. Everybody else has different kinds of things to do. These are special people. You know, we probably don't like them a whole lot. They make a lot of money. You know, all Mm -hmm. of the garbage that goes on about sales in an organization. So whale hunting, you know, brings a lot more people into the knowledge base of what's going on in the company. We believe that we like open book companies. We believe that a whale hunting company, everybody should know, you know, what's the growth path? What are we aiming for? How much did we do last year? What do we want to do this year? How are we doing on that? Some of the best whale hunting companies reward everyone for meeting their whale hunting goals, not just the sales team. What sounds like instead of giving a salesperson more more oversight, what you're actually doing is you are arming the salesperson with the entire organization behind them. I love hearing you say that because I believe that to be true. Yes. But not everybody understands it at the at the outset. That's why I say you couldn't create this culture in order to do whale hunting. You start to do whale hunting and and it creates the, creates culture, the culture that you wanted. There's a, I don't know the the um, origin of this quote, but I heard a quote that I really believe in. You can't think your way to a new way of acting. But you can act your way to a new way of thinking. thinking. Yes. Yes. Which means just do it and then you'll see what happens. Yep. And uh, we're coming to the end of our time. And I think there's one 
there's one thing that I really want to ask you and get your opinion on just in terms of sales over the past, you know, the past 20 years. Do you think we are in a in a spot where more salespeople need more training these days to do their job well? Or do you see us at a spot where there's going to be less salespeople because of things like chat GPT? Or do you see a third option? I think that we'll continue to see a lot more transactional sales happen without a salesperson involved. We see that every day. But in the world that I live in of big complex deals, salespeople need way way more training, but they need a totally different kind of training than they typically get. It needs to be uh, behaviorally based and very much involving coaching from their leadership. And unfortunately, in most sales organizations, they don't provide much training for the sales leaders and sales managers in how to coach their individual people. Why why not? Like like I, I see it all the time too and I work with a I work with hundreds of 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 uh, amazing sales trainers and coaches and I don't believe we're out there out there saying, you know, trying to fill a gap that doesn't exist. Right. Uh, I think it, there's a huge need for it, but there's a big there's still this reaction to oh gosh no salespeople should just know i i hire salespeople yeah. it's just sales I, yeah why well the the people who become sales managers were the best salespeople, and so to them it comes naturally they have they have found their training very useful they've applied it easily they're fast learners you know they just it's kind of in them and then they become sales managers, and it's totally different job. It happens in all industries, not just in the sales arena. Someone becomes really capable in one role, and then you get promoted to a, another role that requires totally different way of operating, different skill set. And so, um, in the in the sales environment, there is a a dearth of serious training for sales leaders in my opinion i i agree and i think it's one of our three core it's one of the three core things that i'm seeing companies do that are companies that are succeeding right now are doing i I see three core things and it's talent and Mm -hmm. this is not rocket science that i'm saying but i'm just seeing that they're differentiating themselves on the front end with talent and then, and then enabling that talent to go out and perform through training, exactly. right. right? And they're 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 investing in that instead of hiring more people, they're investing in the the best, you know, the the people, people that they have mm-hmm. and and the really good. So they're doubling down, especially in sales right now, where I think you need it to differentiate yourself uh, in terms Absolutely. of in terms of where you're where you're inter- interacting with people in the pipeline. And then the third is uh, technology. And I'm not talking, I'm actually seeing companies blow up their tech stacks and simplify their tech stacks into stuff that actually mm-hmm. helps the salespeople. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, instead yeah. of things that are trying to do everything for everyone. So for example, uh, if somebody is is going on with whales, whale hunters, they don't necessarily need a, uh, a marketing platform that's going to be sending out 2 million emails a month, right? It's Absolutely. just not, 
Yeah. That's not needed. So there's, I, I see companies doubling down the ones that are really doing well on those three areas. Anyhow, anyhow, I didn't mean to end with a, a my own. Rate. Is there any last words? A couple of questions. One, any last sure. comments around uh, the sales industry that you'd want to bring to the audience today? Yeah, well, I, I love the sales industry, so I hope we keep um, trying to elevate it. I think there are a lot of good ideas out there and a lot of good people working in sales. So I, I hope that we'll continue to take it seriously as a profession, not fall into the tech trap. I mean, I'm an early adopter. I love technology, but um, technology is a tool. and. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't need it at a certain time or if you can't figure out why you might need it, I think we have a lot more need for education about how to use technology. And we also have a lot a lot further to go in um, training everyone to be part of a sales operation. I mean, a company can't live without sales. So that sales is fundamental. And what I love about whale hunting is that we get to work with a large cross-functional group in a company and bring them together around their sales operation. And so they all get smarter about business, especially their business. And most of them feel a bigger stake in it. That's so much fun. That's that's what it's about to me for people to get reinvigorated about the work and bring more of themselves to it. Yeah, they bring passion and purpose purpose to it once they start to become Absolutely. embedded. Yeah. How do people get uh, in contact with you? So if I'm a $25 million company that's that's uh, looking to increase increase my strategic growth through, through mm-hmm. uh, enterprise-level sales, how do I get in touch with Barbara? Come to thewhalehunters.com or reach me at barbara at thewhalehunters.com. Easy to find. And if you're a $10 million company, don't be afraid to call. <laughs> That's kind Alrighty. of, you know, not everybody starts at 25. All right. Well, uh, yep. I would highly recommend anybody looking looking for, for enterprise sales, focus sales. It's a great read. Uh, check it out. We'll, we'll include the uh, link to the book on the podcast. So it's a great read. It's one of the top 50 uh, sales reads. And uh, absolutely, a conversation with Barbara is more than warranted. So thank you very much. I truly appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Great conversation. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much for listening to the art and science of complex sales. This podcast is sponsored by Membrane and our partners from around the globe. Here at Membrane, we believe that B2B sales is at a crossroads. Due to decades of quantity-based prospecting, information overload, and really a shift towards efficiency over service and pitching over leadership in sales, customers are saying enough is enough. They're tuning out average performers and choosing to take most of the buying journey on their own. This results in up and down sales results, forecasts that are all over the place, and salespeople that are half committed due to the fact that they're having poor results and they have an inability to truly connect with customers. We believe the road successful companies are taking to combat this is threefold. Number one, training to create leaders and executives across all areas of the team with strong habits and sales methodologies that bring value. Number two, technology 
Technology that focuses and helps a salesperson succeed and reinforces great habits rather than wasting their time on filling out fields for reporting or wasting their time on spamming customers that have no interest in ever buying. Third, talent. And I'm talking about talent that's empowered and emboldened to make a difference for their customers and their companies. So where are you on that journey? Membrane and our network of partners across the globe are here to help and to elevate the sales profession. We streamline critical technology by combining CRM, training and enablement, and more into one seamless platform. We drive best-in-class methodologies through our partners. They provide the top thought leadership methodologies and resources from across the globe. And our collective efforts are dedicated to recruiting, training, coaching, and empowering, and measuring the habits of the top teams in the world to ensure success. Join us at Membrane.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening.